0: Hello my magical friends, my name's Ayumi, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 132nd time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have a little bit of news, and there are some things I've watched, and then we'll talk about today's topic. (laughs) So let's get started. So the news is mostly about announcements of newish things. So the first bit of news is about the Owl House season three. So uh, if you're unaware, while the rest of the Owl House, you know, seasons one and two were quite simple traditional tv series with a shorter episode runtime and quite a handful of episodes each. The way that they're doing season three is a little bit unique in that we have these kind of longer specials rather than the usual episodes and from my understanding they're going to be only three or something. They released the very first of these episodes a while back via YouTube mostly to check to see I guess Uh, Apparently, according to Dana Terrace, uh, the creator, the, you know, folks over at Disney didn't really believe that this was actually popular enough. So they were able to use those YouTube numbers to prove otherwise, (laughs) which feels ridiculous because we'll we'll get into why later. But yes, so that happened and uh, they announced that said episode, this first episode of season three will also go on to Disney Plus this December. So a lot of fans are speculating that this means that the rest of the season will also be airing pretty soon. So that's really exciting. As for other things, we have some comic announcements. So first is actually a comic I have mentioned before on the podcast back when it started in serialization. But Mahou Shoujo Misoji, or Magical Girl 30s, or Magical Girl of the 30s, I think is the official English title, at least on the the page um, on the cover, (laughs) is a magical girl series about a 35-year-old office lady who becomes a magical girl. So this is a little bit on the dark side from my understanding, but um, yeah, everyone is pretty excited about this series. And volume one is now on sale officially. You can go buy yourself a copy, both digitally or physically, but the physical copies should be taking quite some time to get to you, from my understanding, at least as someone who went ahead and bought a physical copy. It is apparently not going to get to my place for quite some time, which is too bad because I'm very excited about reading it. So next is a Magical Girl series that actually came out uh, in volume one back in late October but just past my radar until now our magia is an interesting kind of fantasy series but features magical girls so I wanted to bring it up on the podcast because it felt relevant it seems to be set in some sort of other world from my understanding and um, you can watch a promotional video for it, which just has some voice acting. But otherwise, um, I don't know a whole lot about it. If you decide to check it out for yourself, just a warning that the art style looks like it's adult oriented. (laughs) So that might give a hint as to the content quality as well. But I'm not sure because I haven't read it yet so yeah that's everything that we have to talk about in the news so let's get to what i've been watching so of course delicious party pre Gear has been delightful as always it looks like we're entering the beginning of the end next week which is really exciting but that being said i do think last episode was a quite delightful kind of character focus episode even if the character it was supposed to be focusing on didn't get quite as much focus as maybe she deserved but that's fine in any case i am very excited for next week because the trope that is being used is one of my favorites and we don't really get a lot of this especially not in pre here so you know it is exciting to know that we only have two more months left of the series according to regular scheduling so it is um yeah it's gonna be a really exciting time to see how it goes And the other thing I wanted to mention, which has already come up, but uh, I finished watching the first season of The Owl House. It was such a delight. I am so, so happy that this series exists, not just because it's a series that has really, really good, very like casual and normalized representation of queer people, The other characters in the Boiling Isles are just so fun and I want to give everyone a hug. (laughs) It was just a lot of fun. I love these kinds of stories and I think that it's just such a delightful series. And yeah, I'm just excited to continue watching it. I really do hope that they decide to continue it on after what they're doing with season three, but I understand if it's not possible. That's all, so let's get to today's topic. So speaking of shows that deserve to keep going on and on from the West, we are looking to France again for Lolly Rock. So we are finally getting back to talk about season two, which I really enjoyed. And I was really lucky that I had this wonderful kind of serendipitous moment with um, Lapis or loving Lapis Lazuli, who decided that she thought that she was a good guest for this topic at the same time that I thought so. And so we just, she just kind of beat me to the punch in terms of contact. And now here we are. So um, she was on to talk about Angel's Friends Season 1 prior to this. And she was such a delight. So I was very happy to have her back. And it was really, really nice to um, just kind of be super nerdy about the show. And uh, I just really appreciated the season. And of course, we're going to talk a bit about what was, um, what could have been You know, if if they had continued to season three. Warning for both the conversation and also for the show, if you haven't watched it yet. It does contain a few instances of casual racism. Keep that in mind if you are watching for the first time or jumping into this conversation. (laughs) With that, I think that's everything we have to talk about. So please enjoy today's conversation with Lapis about Lollyrock season three. 2 Are you ready for the
1: bounce? Get your feet up off the ground. sway your hands like a pose to them. Snap your fingers to the feet, Do the turn around. And freeze. Get your arms out to the front. to the do the
0: laugh. go. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, we are here to talk about the second season of Lolly Rock, fully released in France in 2017, and I'm delighted to have a returning
1: guest. Can you please introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Lapis, I am 26, and I am an artist and a translator, and a big Lolly Rock fan since the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was great
0: to have you on for the first season of Angel's Friends. And now Good you're times. back on for this one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So now we're on for another another Western series. But before we get to that, what have you been enjoying in the genre since your last time on the podcast?
1: I started a few new series and I rewatched a few episodes from old series I already knew. I am halfway through Tokyo Mew Mew New. Mm. It's a really good reboot, in my opinion. I'm having a good time and I'm looking forward to finish the season. And I'm very glad that there is a season two already. <laughs> very glad. Yeah. I started Saint Tail, mm. the first episode, and I like that so much that I bought the, the first volume of the manga. Oh, interesting. It's really cute. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cute. Mm. Also, I watched the first episode of Tone de Boulin, oh, yeah, and I am in love. <laughs> that one is adorable. And for some reason, it uses the same exact sound effects as Kerolo Gunso. And I felt at home. Mm. The humor was great. The sound effects were great. It's a very nice affectionate parody of the genre, in my opinion. Hmm. It works really well. Hmm. Also, I am currently in the middle of watching Delicious Party Precure as it's coming out weekly, hmm. and I am in the middle of rewatching Yes Precure Five Gogo in Italian with a friend for educational purposes. So uh, she's studying Italian, and I told her, "Want to watch Precure in Italian with me?" And so we watched Yes! Precure 5, and now we are in the middle of watching uh, the sequel, Yes! Precure 5 Gogo go, in Italian, hmm. and we're having a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to go back and,
0: because I've only watched the first season of Precure in Italian, I definitely want to go watch all the other seasons that have been dubbed in Italian. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's up to Hardcatch, right? That has been dubbed? Yes. Yes, Okay. <laughs> yes,
1: the last thing they dubbed was the Hard Catch movie. Mm. Did they dub uh, all the movies as well and like air them in Italy? Uh, yes, all the movies tied to the series we already had. Mm. Like for instance, the All Stars movies are nowhere to be seen. The first All Stars <laughs> movie could be aired here, but they never did. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, was it in theaters or just on television? No, just on television. Mm. That's still better than most places. <laughs> it was rated as an important event though so Mm -hmm. it's neat (laughs) yeah yeah that's awesome
0: yeah i definitely want to see what that's like for sure (laughs) (laughs) great so getting into lolly rock just uh because we're talking about season two today i wanted to quickly just kind of brush up on what season one was about for anyone who is listening and hasn't watched any lolly rock yet um, so in Lolly Rock season one, we meet Iris, who is a girl raised by her aunt Ellen in the small city of Sunny Bay. And she finds out as she tries to audition for a new rock group that she is a lost princess of Ephidia, which is a, another faraway world. And um, the kingdoms of Ephidia were overthrown by Lord Greymore, whose minions, the twins Mephisto and Praxina try to thwart Iris and her new companions, who are uh, Talia of Cirrus and Ariana of Volta, so they're also princesses, and they are collecting oracle gems by assisting people with their problems in Sunny Bay, and also perform, of course, as Lolly Rock, which is their pop slash rock group. And by the end of the first season, you know, they, they haven't finished collecting all the Oracle gems yet, but they end up back in Aphidia to assist the Resistance, which includes Talia's sister, Azira, and the Princesses Carissa of Calix and Delina of Borealis, who later join them back on Earth. So we get to see them um, on occasion in the second season. And we kind of understand that the, the fight is still continuing because they haven't quite beaten Greymore yet. But uh, yeah,
1: so Lapis, what is your history with Lolly Rock? Okay, it was 2014, October, and I recently made my Tumblr blog, and I found this uh, post, this GIF set of Talia's transformation. And everyone was uh, losing their marbles because it was very pretty and very good looking. <laughs> and so, thanks to word of mouth, I discovered Lolly Rock. And uh, at the time, only the first two episodes were already available. It was airing on France 3, which is a French broadcasting channel. And uh, I remember that I downloaded the first episode. It was in French, subbed in English. I watched it, and I fell in love ever since. (laughs) I kept following (laughs) as it (laughs) it was airing weekly. I think it was on Saturdays. Basically, it's a bit like when, like how people are following Precure now, Mm. every weekend there was the episode, there were the theories, there were the, the subtitles, and the fandom grew very quickly. Then, in 2016, surprisingly, for some reason, Italy, on a cable channel though, which was not available to everyone, started airing the first 10 episodes of season 2, and it was very hard to get some footage from this episode because they were on cable, but at least we got the episode summaries from the TV Guide, and so we started theorizing about them, until the French Loyrock channel started uh, releasing the first four episodes on YouTube. And not longer after that, we had the full season dropped all at once on Netflix in 2017, in January. The the season aired regularly on France 4 a month later in French, but we got the entire season dropped all at once uh, at the beginning of 2017, which may be just my opinion was a bit detrimental to the enjoyment because the day after it dropped people were already talking about the finale like they consumed (laughs) the whole season in Mm -hmm. one day that's just a personal opinion that's pretty wild (laughs) yeah like how do you even do that
0: i think it's usually like Especially if it's, like, over a weekend or something. You know, obviously this is a show with a younger audience, so I know there's a lot of, like, teen fans and young fans, so I can imagine that, like, if you're left alone with the TV all day that you can end up watching all of the episodes of a season. (laughs) But it is a thing that happens a lot with these platforms like Netflix. It is a little a little frustrating, but I think this is also talked about, like, even outside of that, because, like, So many shows do this where they just drop all the episodes at once. And so people can binge if they want. But then, yeah, it's like too much because most people don't have that kind of time. Um, True. I liked being able to just take my time with it with no pressure. (laughs) And of course, the same thing for, for any series currently airing. In Japan, we always get, you know, once weekly and I like that pacing a lot. (laughs) We don't need it all at once. But yeah, it's very interesting to see. And I know the same thing also happens with the other French Magical girl series, Miraculous, which is still ongoing, where like... People get these leaks of all the episode titles right away, which would like never happen for something like Precure or whatever. So it's really funny to see like how that kind of instant, like complete knowledge, even for just titles, gives you so much information and sometimes not enough information. Because I know that that was definitely the case with this series as well, where like the titles in English and the titles in French, which from my understanding we got at the same time are not always the same or they have different implications if you put them together if you understand both languages so it's always very interesting to see like that kind of side of things which i didn't personally get to experience because i was not watching lolly rock at the time but um yeah it definitely is an interesting aspect of fandom i think and yeah (laughs) what
1: do you think it is about lolly rock that you love so much Okay, first of all, the animation is really pretty. Mm. Like, you can tell that this was a project they put a lot of effort in. They try to make it look as nice as possible. And uh, it checks out because the official team said that it was quite a pricey production. Mm. It was very expensive and time-consuming. So that explains why it's really hard to think about season three at all. Mm -hmm. Also, the music score,
0: Mm -hmm. aside
1: from the songs, which are nice, but like the actual soundtrack is very powerful and very strong. It conveys a lot of different emotions, but especially the fight soundtrack is really good Mm -hmm. in which it can convey a lot of suspense and dread when it comes to, well, spoiler episodes that we can't talk about yet. But... Whenever Gramore is on screen, there is really good music, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And thematically, I like that somehow Loirac Rock managed to perfectly put together the battle heroine aspect of magical girls, like Precure, and the uh, mundane magic used to help people on everyday problems. Mm. I think they do that very well. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. It's a very
0: interesting balance of all these different things, um, for sure. (laughs) Plus the
1: music stuff, of course. (laughs) Also, the fight choreography. It's really good. It never gets boring, in my opinion. Even though they know how to be smart and reuse some shots. Mm. Like when uh, Oriana uses the ribbon of Volta. It's not stock footage, but almost stock footage Mm -hmm. because they reuse it in a very smart way. And you notice only uh, if this is your second or third watch, you notice and you say, hey, that motion, I know that motion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I wish they used the music aspect of their magic more, but I mean, it is what it is because originally they had the the magic was a lot more tied to their voice mm-hmm. remember the first episode of season 1 where taya was like sing if you want to live yeah and iris used the magic by singing yeah that's a good
0: point i think that they kind of do that in a way in that like one of the funny things about the series is most episodes end with them performing a show i mean there's like a handful of the same Same ones that they show you. But it's very clear that they're like using magic on stage as if it were special effects. And they get very out there. So I feel like that's kind of what's (laughs) happening
1: in a way. But they don't actually say it's that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's it's implied, but they never use it in fights. Mm. And that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, that would be interesting. They use it once, but it was to... Uh, make iris remember mm-hmm. she wasn't evil but that's it yeah yeah
0: that's a that's a solid point i think it would be interesting if they incorporated that a little bit more but i mean for sure i think that there were more things they could have done over the course of the two seasons we have and as we'll discuss at the end of this like what season three could have been if there had been one yes yeah (laughs) but yeah it's like such an interesting kind of um, way that they continued the series with similarly mostly episodic stuff with a handful of very important plot things along the way and one thing to point out is that when you know we first got lena and carissa joining the team i thought we know they're not in lolly rock but they're gonna at least be around most of the time but there are a lot of episodes that they're just like not in at all. I was like very surprised and I'm like, you know, going like four episodes without them like, where did they go? And then suddenly they're back as if they've been here the whole time. It's it's an interesting <laughs> choice for sure.
1: <laughs> L- Lina and Carissa just were out there enjoying earth. <laughs> I'm bothered. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I am reading the official Tumblr, mm-hmm. the the post about Lina and Carissa, I can I can give a little bit of insight.
0: Mm -hmm. Basically,
1: Lina and Carissa were a request from the producers. Mm. They asked them to add two new princesses and have a five princesses gang. But the team was a bit unsure about it because they already had too many characters around and Mm. uh, they were afraid of unbalancing the dynamic between the girls. So they decided to, to make a compromise and make them uh, be like the outer senshi from Sailor Moon mm mm-hmm. in which they would appear occasionally but not always so we could have the girls doing their thing and occasionally having help from the from the newbies
0: yeah, yeah. And just uh, since you mentioned it, for anyone who didn't listen to the first episode we did on Lolly Rock, you know, one of the great things about this series in particular is how much stuff is out there about the production, whether it's from the Lolly Rock Tumblr page, like the official Tumblr page there, which has a lot of really interesting information and lots of information in both French and English. They're very, very like open about all kinds of things behind the scenes and also on the official youtube channels they also do stuff like they show the storyboards and and all kinds of other fun things so there's just like so much publicly available stuff for the fandom which is really interesting ah bless them (laughs) (laughs) like
1: we were really lucky
0: yeah it's interesting because like it feels like Maybe, you know, there are other series for which this would be more the case. Like, we do get some fun little things here and there. Like, you know, if you're a Precure fan, you know, the animators, a lot of the animators are on Twitter. So oftentimes after an episode, it's like, oh, there's this, here's this new piece of stock footage. And the person who animated it often is like, hey, this was me. <laughs> so people can say like, oh, great job on this this stock footage. We get to see this every week and it's awesome. You know, stuff like that happens all the time. So... You know, there is definitely a little bit of that out there in general. And, you know, we have like creator interviews and stuff. But I think that if we look back at like older stuff, it's not as common to like have this level of info, which is pretty fun. But yeah, so getting into the actual like main story of this season. So like we said, they still need to finish collecting the Oracle gems in order to complete the crown of Aphidia, which depending on who uh, wears it gives the person the power to actually fully rule over the entirety of this world so of course it's generally assumed that like iris and her family are the rightful owners and all of that and the the crown is still on aphidia but protected but is literally floating in front of Graymore, which is very fun so every time they get an oracle gem um, Greymore has to be the one to watch it and he's just like oh my minions failed again you know, just very, very That's funny. That's so funny.
1: <laughs> so pissed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Especially in English.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: His English voice actor is probably the angriest of them all. <laughs> like the mm. French one is angry, but not this much. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I still have yet to watch
0: uh, the original French or the Italian dub or any other dubs there might be. So definitely curious to hear how the characters sound. Um, (laughs)
1: But yeah. Italian grammar shares his voice actor with Batman. (laughs) Very interesting. Okay. I can, I can see it. I can picture that. That's (laughs) so funny. Grumpy evil Batman, basically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But
1: yeah, so like basically
0: the episodic stuff is them having a problem to solve. Dealing with someone in the area where they live or whatever. And for the most part, it's pretty much always going to be something that they can handle over the course of one episode. Despite all of Mephisto and Proxima's wonderful plans to try to get them, <laughs> I mean, I say that not that sarcastically. Sometimes they do have really good plans. We see them like really, yes, you know, sometimes getting very close to success with some of the stuff they do. We get to see a lot of fun, more like more fun this season with disguises and stuff as well, which are really interesting. Uh, well, there's a little bit of that in the first season, but definitely more so in the second season. You can tell they're having fun.
1: They they embrace their nature as Team Rocket, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely give that same uh, energy, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they get very close and, you know, you think that maybe this time they'll actually beat them. But no, we, everything works out in the end. And again, you know, Carissa and Lena do appear sometimes. And they even also get their own <laughs> episodes focused on themselves a little bit. So it's, you know, just... Classic Magical Girl shenanigans here and there. But yeah, I guess we should get into some specific episodes. (laughs) Now, one is a lot sooner than the other, but should we start with the evil Magical Girl episodes? Because we
1: have two this season and they're both very fun. Ah, yes. We can read. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's probably my favorite evil episode. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the most fun of the three, probably because Oriana being Oriana, that, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, the idea of cursed shampoo is hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this episode, you
0: know, we see like Oriana getting a deal with her favorite shampoo company <laughs> to like uh, <laughs> become their, they're basically like their image girl, right? Like the girl for the modeling and commercials and so on and you know she's very excited because this is like a shampoo specifically for redheads which It could exist, I suppose. I've never heard of such a thing, but it's certainly not usually the demographic I hear about when it comes to, like, specialized shampoo and conditioner and other hair products. But in any case, we see that as she uses the shampoo more and more, it's because she got an unlimited, like, lifetime supply of it. Her hair starts to change to a more deeper crimson red from the usual more orange-tinted red that she has. And by the end of things, we see that she has just become just a totally... Rude person, very mean to to everyone around her and very self-centered. I find this episode very interesting because one of the visual references for Ariana is Cat um, Valentine or Ariana Grande as yes. she appears in Victorious, which is where she has very red hair and a ponytail and... I don't know anything about like Ariana Grande's actual personality, but (laughs) I did recently read a book that was not very favorable to her in terms of like how she approached her role in uh, as she continued to play that character, but also had a singing career and stuff. So I know that like the naming of her was not as intentionally connected to Ariana Grande, but I have to wonder how much more influence she had on the evil version of Oriana.
1: Ah, I see what you mean, but I don't think, I, I believe it's unintentional. <laughs> yeah. I mean, given that, given that the show has been in production for so long, they probably wrote this episode in 2015, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's possible, yeah. I don't think it's relevant. Dark Oriana is just an exasperated version of Oriana's already existing vanity, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Which is really fun, because, like, rewatching watching this now then, I'm watching Delicious Party is very funny because I thought, ah, that's Narcissus. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, but that's all I could think about. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's,
0: that's not far off. <laughs> but an interesting comparison. Yeah. <sighs> I think it's an interesting variation of the Dark Magical Girl because it's a gradual change. And then also we see that, like, she is still kind of herself, but less like a twisted version of herself, and it's like you could very yes. cl- easily see this happening to someone you know, like your own friends, like a dark part of themselves ends up getting carried away and takes them to a bad place. so it's like how do you stop them from from being that way? you know, and that's basically what happens in this episode, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs>
1: Hmm. yeah it's pretty you you could say that fame
0: get to their head <laughs> yes yes <Yeah>. definitely <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know we did see evil iris in the first season but we also get an evil talia episode as well so the whole trio is represented by this trope which is fun to get um, but hers is also a very interesting approach because she is like Well, for one thing, Talia is like the smartest of the group. She's the cleverest. She's, you know, the one who is like coming up with the most strategies and so on. I mean, like Iris is technically the leader of the group, but in a way, I feel like with Talia being the strategist, she is also kind of more of a leader type, if that makes sense. And definitely comes from her family line since her sister Azira is also the leader of the resistance over in Aphidia. Yeah so she's like really tough to beat and she's very tough to trick because she is so clever. And so there's this whole extended plan regarding dance moves and like the dancing ability of the different characters where Praxina disguises herself as like, It's an interesting choice because she's like a ballerina, but like clearly like supposed to be a prima donna type and also has a Russian accent kind of uh, in English.
1: I don't know how her accent is in other dubs, but like it's a very interesting choice. I forgot to check, but Mm -hmm. I think she's still Russian in Italian as well. Okay,
0: interesting. I've never heard what a Russian accent in Italian sounds like. So I'll have to watch that episode in the dub for sure <laughs> uh, for that experience. But yeah, so like she's very, you know, very strict and and so on. And she's criticizing all the girls and trying to teach them how to dance. But she's especially like very strict to Talia and makes Talia stay behind and eventually gives her these shoes that are supposed to help her concentrate. And once she puts on the shoes, she basically becomes brainwashed and like just doesn't know anything. It's almost like a kind of a zombie version of her where yeah, she's following orders and it's it's very much like this reduced version of her, which is interesting. And we'll get more into details about that because there's some criticism of this episode. But she ends up becoming a very formidable opponent. But luckily, the girls are able to really trick Mephisto and Praxina into making Talia use her latest move which they don't know like how it works and it ends up thwarting them and all that. But yeah, what did you think of this episode?
1: I, uh, okay, controversy aside, I think it was a very nice episode because the plan was a bit complicated, but it made sense when you think uh, about, okay, Talia is very difficult to trick, So they had to mess with her self-esteem first and convince her to listen to someone else. So they had to work on her a little bit before actually even trying to corrupt her. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely extended. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit unfortunate that they had to use her like a puppet. However, the imagery of Talia looking like that with a zombie-like posture was very haunting in a way that i can appreciate Hmm. like you can tell that they are really very much in trouble right now
0: yeah you know again like she is so powerful and like very skilled like the most skilled magically speaking of the group that like they know her not being on their side no matter what the circumstances is very dangerous so
1: yeah also on uh, the animation side, I really like this part in the um, dance club thing where Praxina is trying to teach them how to dance. Hmm. There are a lot of mirrors, obviously, because it's a dance hall, and their reflections are animated right, which is impressive. Hmm. The reflection on the mirror actually makes sense. It's not something you can take for granted, especially if you are. Working on already something that is this time-consuming and expensive. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Um, I really, really also appreciate the the animation quality of this series, and I do hope that even if we don't get to have another Lolly Rock, I would hope that this like team could produce another kind of like series of this quality because it is really good. Yeah.
1: As far as I know, mm-hmm. um, Galu one of the people who worked on the character design and the colors for Lolly Rock is quite prolific in French animation. She's mm-hmm. currently working on a, uh, unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the project, but there is a really cool series that looks low key li- lo- like Lolly Rock, like it gives the same vibes, mm-hmm. but it's not a magical girl show, but it's very promising mm-hmm. in my opinion. Interesting.
0: now before we get to the mid-season finale i just wanted to just talk about like very vaguely like some of the other great things that we see again a lot of episodes are quite uh episodic but i really (laughs) love the (laughs) i love like the different episodes that are kind of more focused on amaru are little mascot yes. character first like there's an episode where Amaro gets a girlfriend's dog of uh, Snowflake the puppy which That's is an interesting devil. yeah and then there's another episode with Banes the tiger disguising himself as a kitten that tricks the girls and sneaks into their house and stuff and Amaru's the only one who realizes that the cat is suspicious so that
1: was fun <laughs> I love that episode so much It gets funnier when you know that it's Banes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because Banes is like this giant tiger's terrifying character. And then there's this cat who's just so cute.
1: (laughs) And so smug. Yeah. Also, the other episode, uh, the one where uh, Amaru gets a girlfriend, is funny because Amaru gets an identity reveal before the girls themselves
0: Yeah, that was interesting because it's like imagine being the dog and like just thinking, oh, this other dog is great. And then the dog turns into a horse. <laughs> yeah. It's a very interesting relationship for sure. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. But that was it was fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this season also gives us an interesting piece of, uh, I guess, magic tech in the vocal extras. Ah, uh, Yes. Which uh, the first one appears pretty early on in the episode Blurred Vision, where Iris gets this present with this message. And it turns out that it has a a message from her mother. And, you know, the vocal extra is basically this kind of device that would uh, project a holographic message that is pre-recorded. But the princesses talk to Iris about the fact that it's It's something that can be um, messed with, tampered with, uh, because when they first get this message from her mother, her mother is saying like she needs to stop fighting because she came to Earth to be protected. And so Iris is like questioning everything. And they're like, this doesn't sound right. So they're able to figure out that that the message is not uh, not correct. Like it was it was tampered with. It was a fake because it was corrupted by the twins evil magic. And so that definitely also comes up later in the show.
1: Yeah, it comes up in the two parts much later. Yes, yes. There is a thing I like about this episode, that Iris decides on her own that she will not obey, on air quotes, to her mother's order, and she will fight anyway, even before knowing that the message was fake. Mm. I like that. Like, yeah. she took her own decision and said, no, this is not right. I will do what I feel is right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's something I can appreciate. Yeah, definitely. Now,
0: <laughs> because these, this show is not one where the order is exactly clear... I want to say that Princess Brenda is kind of a mid season, even though, depending on when you or where you watched it, this was like a much later episode or a very early episode. So, yeah, why don't we talk about that as kind of the kind of spoiler point? Because it is a very interesting two part
1: episode. Or two episodes, I should say. It really feels like a mid-season finale. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think they wrote it as that, but then they shuffled the episodes. Yeah,
0: that's the problem with these kinds of shows. It's very complex. (laughs) But yeah, so these two episodes, it's called Princess Brenda, part one or part two, and We have like a few different things going on, but basically we see, you know, Nathaniel, who is Iris's crush, who clearly also likes her. They've been friends forever. And it's a very like, will they, won't they sort of thing with them where we, it's like pretty much, we kind of know that something is there. So they should, you know, probably actually become a couple or something. But uh, in the beginning of this, we see that like Nathaniel is really unsure about Iris because Every time that they are trying to set up a time to meet or whatever, like to have a date, Iris is constantly busy and is like being called away to do stuff. And she can't be like, oh, well, I'm a magic princess and so I'm fighting evil. (laughs) So he's just like, well, I know she's busy, but it doesn't feel like I'm important. And so, you know, it's it's upsetting for him and he's getting it's bothering him. Meanwhile, the girls are helping a girl named Brenda who has come to Sunny Bay to look for her birth mother like she was adopted as a baby and so she has come back to try to figure out if she can find her but she doesn't really have much uh much to go on so it's a bit um stressful for her and of course this also is very connected to Iris who understands this feeling because she didn't get to grow up with her own parents and you know there's like this constant searching and like all the girls are helping out meanwhile like as part of helping out um (laughs) Ariana decides to <laughs> give, uh, give Brenda a little bit of a makeover and gives her one of, one of Talia's bracelets that she just happens to never wear. Mm, Gee, I wonder why <laughs> this triggers a reaction, like a magical reaction where the twins notice, you know, something is going on with this bracelet and have come to the conclusion that Brenda is one of the princesses. And so they decide to kidnap her. And that's very stressful. And, um, Iris is trying to set up another date with Nathaniel and has to cancel again. But it turns out that uh, what happened is inside the bracelet was this piece of the medallion that was Azira's or Talia's sisters. And so when they get that extra piece and the medallion that they already had, which they were supposed to have destroyed before, um, (laughs) you know, that gives them like this really big ultimate power that's like very yeah just very powerful very intimidating and so that's like the first episode of the two-parter and then the second part they're doing just incredible amounts of magic and it's really terrifying meanwhile Nathaniel sees Iris and the girls fly off with Amaru and is like what is happening they're on a flying horse or whatever and so he's following them and unfortunately he sees everything and Iris is actually a very interesting scene. Uh, Iris apologizes to him and explains everything that happened. And Nathaniel is very open and accepting of Iris's uh, situation and, like, says that nothing has changed, but now he understands and he's very thankful for that. And it's very romantic. And they even kiss, and it's like, oh my God, wow. That was so good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, unfortunately, uh, after all that the twins end up harnessing so much power that everyone gets frozen into crystal and it seems like the world is over but Iris uses uh, her Shanilla powers from the first season like her kind of ultimate form if you will gets mm-hmm. by the medallion and uses it to turn back time therefore reversing like everything that happened in the past two days and it was a very intense kind of yeah two-parter so what did you think about all
1: this (laughs) (laughs) okay first of all i think it's a very solid two-part it's very good like uh differently from the other two parter we will talk about later both halves are very strong and they may be stressful but in a good way Mm. like it's not frustrating to watch right it's suspenseful yeah also i like that once the twins have the medallion, they just turn their back on Grimoire and say, (laughs) well, we quit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was very unexpected and very impressive because that reveals that, I mean, it was clear before that they did not care that much about Grimoire, but now it's official that they were using Graymore as much as Grimoire is using them. Yes. They wanted power. To do what? Who knows? But given that they wanted the medallion, maybe they want to do something related to time. Mm. Because they are already very powerful on their own. So maybe they needed a specific uh, kind of magic. Mm. There are implications here. Also I love the inclusion of Nathaniel in this two part Because mm. first of all, his feelings on the situation are very believable and, and valid. Like I, I would feel the same if I had a friend who all of a sudden started ghosting me without explaining me the situation. Like, don't you trust me enough? Mm-hmm. Like I understand his point of view. I also understand Iris, obviously, but it's neat that they framed it in a way that validates Nathaniel's concerns. Mm. And the reveal is very nice. I like that it, this guy is so chill about everything, <laughs> so chill. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: really not that I wasn't like, mm, I was very happily like surprised that they kind of did this. And again, for me, it was like I was watching it in the English order, so this was very early on in the season. I was like, whoa, what's happening? But to see that like this, uh, this level of like, wow, Nathaniel is just such a good guy, and it's really hard to find good boyfriends for magical girls who want boyfriends and (laughs) you know I gotta say Nathaniel is definitely one one of the best out there for sure I really appreciate him and seeing like him be so so honest and and like so accepting of Iris and everything like it was so good it was so nice and you know I was slightly devastated that they had to turn back time and none of it actually happened anymore (laughs) but it was good to know it kind of reminded me a lot of the mid-season um for creamy mommy actually where Ah, we see for the first time that like toshio is a good guy and of course he doesn't remember anything after that because he gave up his memory or whatever uh spoiler alert for creamy mommy i guess (laughs) um but you know like that that kind of thing where like you know we the audience know this happens even if it's like something he doesn't know anymore yeah it was really nice to see um it was very wholesome and yeah, it was also, again, very cool to see, like, powerful Iris again, because it's something that we don't get to see a lot, but it's cool to know, like, she is this cool, like, this powerful and stuff. Yeah. And very intimidating, despite being adorable and pink and and all that.
1: <laughs> That's what being a magical girl is all about. <laughs> Cute yeah. and terrifying. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I love especially the voice mm. effects they do for her when she is in that form. Mm. It makes their lines even more powerful like when uh when uh, praxina goes do you see this and she goes see what your end yeah that was powerful yeah it's just like
0: the very it's very much like yeah you should not mess with iris like no one should be messing with iris and once she gets all the power she's has the potential for great things um whether they're good or bad and luckily for us they are good but you know it's just like yeah, it's very intimidating. Very, very interesting. With that, I want to say this is kind of the spoiler point because we're going to talk more about you know the rest of the season and also the finale, of course. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't watched Lolly Rock season two yet, please go do so. It's very accessible but yeah so we have a lot of other very interesting i mean honestly each and every episode is pretty cool even if they're episodic they all like give you a little bit of interesting stuff with characters and so on and like for example the talia episode where she decides to build a robot and like ariana decides to like fix it up with magic and it kind of ruins talia's chances (laughs) with the boy she likes that was a very interesting episode but also very frustrating because it was like yeah just a lot happening and then yeah but but anyway that that was
1: that was the thing that happened <laughs> i mean it was frustrating because oriana was kind of cheating yes why would you use magic
0: mm-hmm. no that was absolutely i would i would say that was definitely cheating uh,
1: in a robotics competition <laughs> with magic but it was very funny mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the robot once oriana Fixed it with magic, it sounded like a surfer dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Steph. There's definitely a
0: lot of Oriana in Rex, um, for sure. It was just an interesting situation. And uh, we do also get some episodes that are more focused on the music side of things a little bit. Oh, we also, I should, I definitely think we need to mention that we meet one of Oriana's siblings, yes, her brother, in an episode. He was basically. Being controlled by Graymore and the twins to um, disguise himself as a DJ and trick the girls into getting kidnapped. Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, episode. It's very interesting to see, like, how long it took
1: Oriana to figure out it was her brother. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in her defense, if we really need to take the flashbacks at face value, she was like a very small child when she fled. Hmm. So, That's I true. guess it makes sense that she wouldn't recognize <laughs> her grown up brother by the way. Kind of.
0: Maybe, but still, it was a lot. I was like, mm, okay. I mean, this boy <laughs> had
1: orange flu or air. Yeah. How could you not notice that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a nice episode. However, Mm -hmm. I think the series episode from last season was a little stronger on the reveal. Mm -hmm. Probably because we had the flashback first and for a while we assumed that that Rizira was no more. Mm -hmm. And so revealing that she was still alive made for a stronger reveal. Yeah,
0: for sure. But nonetheless,
1: it was a really nice episode.
0: Yeah, because like before that, we didn't really know that much about like family or anything. So I was like, oh, okay, it's her brother. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we only knew that she had like 36 siblings or something. Right. And that's it. Yeah, and that's a lot.
0: <laughs> Definitely a little bit more than average. True. Um, But yeah, there are some, you know, like just generally the, the other episodes are, you know, fun. But I think that... You know, we definitely need to talk about the episode
1: where we learned the truth about Aunt Ellen. Yes. <laughs> mm. That one recontextualizes so much of Ellen. Mm. It's funny in a way because sometimes she, okay, you have these scenes where the girls are doing magic inside and, uh, and she's just out there gardening, listening to music oblivious to the rest of the world mm. and at first we thought it was just just pure coincidence that she was always out of the way but i think that now she was doing it on purpose yep. to not bother mm. them it was great yeah cuz like i think
0: that the way we see aunt ellen for most of the show is like she's kind of painted as someone who's you know very caring and kind and you know very very loving to iris as her caretaker but you know in the end is a little airheaded or like doesn't seem to know anything that's going on This like completely oblivious but you know as we learn in this episode you know the girls do get protected by this mysterious masked figure and as iris tries to figure out who it is um using a locator spell on something that was dropped on the scene you know she finds out that like oh she was being protected by aunt ellen who actually is part of the Affiliate Royal Guard. And her true form is uh, a lot more, not like necessarily regal in the same case as the princesses or anything, but definitely, you know, very powerful. And and it's like very clear she's also just very strong. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, it also was a really interesting moment for, for the two of them to kind of open up to each other and for Iris to find out the truth about like how, They came together to Earth and she was tasked with protecting her and all of that. And, you know, she had kept it a secret for her protection and was clearly fully aware of everything that was going on, but needed to find the right time and and all of that. And what was also interesting is that Iris doesn't tell anyone else that she found out who this woman was. So it's like their little secret, their little (laughs) like family
1: secret in a way. (laughs) their relationship is very sweet in this episode mm. like you can tell that they care and they respect each other like when iris says that after the whole reveal she goes i need a little bit of time to think she gets the time she wants and ellen after a while comes uh, to a room with uh, her favorite cocoa, and it's very sweet mm. Like, yes, you can believe that these two had a kind of motherly relationship. Mm. If you take the scene out of context, it checks out. They feel like mother and child. I mean, adoptive mother. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, for all intents and purposes, she is like an adoptive mother. You know, she just has always been like, I'm your mysterious aunt. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting. And also, yeah, just like just very
1: sweet and it's very nice to get that context as well also her design is gorgeous i love it Mm. i mean i think i already said this at some point but i love knights so she seeing her with that kind of outfit the loki looks like an armor it's really cool Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's really powerful
1: talking about powerful Almost all of her spells have a variation of the word power or strong but in a Latin way. Mm. Like she says potent Crystal Potentorum, Crystal Fortissimus. <laughs> <laughs> she really wants to to show that she's strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's very tough. That's really cool. <laughs> it's great. There's one thing we didn't talk about that is right at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. The second episode where Mephisto ends up having a very small truce with Iris (laughs) to save his sister. Yes, that's true.
0: That was a very silly episode because it's like, generally, it's one of the ones that's like, it's not really important, technically speaking, but it does give us that thing where, you know, basically, they messed up and this crystal monster just kind of like randomly consumes things and you can see it like trapped in its crystal belly like whatever it has eaten like and it has the eaten Christina yeah since the other princesses also get taken then it's up to Iris and Mephisto to actually team up for once and yeah it's very fun it's very silly you also do see something similar later between Mephisto and Carissa, which is interesting. <laughs> it's again like kind of showing that these two are not necessarily exactly like truly evil. They're working for a gray board because they kind of have to in a way. Like it's like, you know, he's more powerful than them. And, you know, until, of course, they have that medallion in that one uh, bit, but they don't generally feel like they have the what it takes to actually take him down and claim power for themselves.
1: But yeah. (laughs) They care about each other a whole lot.
0: Yes. They definitely have a very strong bond, even if they bicker and fight and all that. They're in this together until the end, for sure. Yes.
1: Also, maybe it's me because I haven't rewatched season one recently, but it feels to me that they are arguing less in season two. Hmm. I guess so. They managed to work together a little bit better now. Hmm. I
0: think it's also there are a lot of episodes where we don't cut to them talking out their plans and stuff. Ah, true. Sometimes they just show up and it's like, oh, wait, that's Mephisto and Praxina in disguise (laughs) doing something. So I think it's also just owing to that in a way where I don't know if that's like a writing thing or a storyboarding thing or what have you. But like they just didn't have the time to cut to them a lot but you know I do think we still see them bigger from time to time but I think it depends on the case on the plan whether or not they end up arguing
1: ah <laughs> uh, yes this, mm. that, this reminds me of that scene in the episode with the, the Ruby mm. where they find the jeruby. Praxina holds it and Mephisto just takes it and holds it up overhead siblings they just argue like siblings thank goodness <laughs> yeah and
0: it's very fun to watch them even when they are fighting (laughs) they're very fun villains for sure but yeah speaking of villains and ones that are not fun I think we do need to talk about Lev and his return oh Lev (laughs) so Lev is you know a character who appears at the end of the first season who seems to help out Iris when she is stuck in in her own castle, actually. But, um, you know, it's in the end, it ends up leading her directly to Greymore to end up fighting him. And it turns out that, like, Lev only worked for Greymore for money, essentially, even though he ends up getting tricked by him or whatever. And he shows up. And now I know that they're having a lot of fun in English with some of these titles because they love to reference music. Ah, uh, yeah. That might also be the case in French. I don't actually know, but at least for sure in English, a lot of the names, they intentionally will alter them to, you know, call back to to music and so on. So uh, in English, these are called Stop in the Name of Lev, which is like very funny <laughs> to me because I'm like, what's happening? But in French, it's called The Treason, which is interesting because it's like, oh, that's a very different title. <laughs> but in any case, so for this two-parter, a lot of different things happen but basically the first thing that we notice is something is going on with nathaniel because he seems to be suddenly very fixated on missy who we like don't see for most of this series just like with the first season but she is supposed to be iris's like rival for nathaniel's affections allegedly but isn't actually true at least that's like it in missy's head in any case <laughs> So (laughs) she has like a new accessory in her hair and it seems to be that like when she's talking to him, he's just like under a spell, like something is wrong with him. His eyes are a different color and he's like just hyper-focused on Missy. And, you know, Iris is very upset by this and she runs, she runs off and ends up bumping into Lev who gives Iris a vocal extra and apparently says it's from her father And, you know, it's him saying for her to come back to Ophidia and to trust no one because there is a traitor in her midst. Mm, Sus? Yeah. Very. Yeah. Something is someone or something is sus. (laughs) So (laughs) she gets back to the house and Talia and Ariana fight over whether or not they are going to cast a spell to verify that the vocal extra is actually corrupted or not. And in the process, it ends up breaking, which means they can't find out the truth either way. And Iris is definitely very suspicious of both the girls, but especially Talia, because she is kind of the one that broke it. Uh, It's a little I have mixed feelings about like how that scene actually played out. But in any case.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was 50 50.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it was interesting because it's like, even if she doesn't know whether or not it's true, like it's still the message is still in her like mind or whatever. But yeah, so. When Iris tries to talk to Nathaniel about it, uh, Missy comes back and he's immediately like under the same trance. And so she decides to go to Lev and agree to go back with him to Aphidia. Talia by this point has also figured out Missy is wearing some sort of weird hairpin from Aphidia that has uh, brainwashed Nathaniel, which is like, she probably doesn't even realize that's happening, which is so interesting. Because it's like, how is Missy experiencing all this? Um, Missy just thinks that suddenly a miracle happened.
1: That's what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. But yeah, by the end of the first episode of this two-parter, Italian and Oriana are trying to tell Iris, like, please don't go with Lev because someone is lying. Something is wrong. And the twins show up for a moment but then promptly leave and then you know the second half is them like a whole bunch of stuff is going on but basically it's like you know even though lev literally all he did was betray her in th- the first time around she decides to trust him over her friends it's Iris. a bit frustrating two-parter and then talia tries to talk to azira and there's some weird corruption there So when they have a conversation, it seems like Zira is also telling her, oh, yeah, that's that vocal extra is legit. And like, you know, Iris needs to go. And they're like, "Okay, but this is still weird. They're still supposed to be doing some promotion for a concert, by the way. And so they're like (laughs) going through that. They're not really in the mood for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah and then finally like graymore reveals that like the vocal extra was a trap he had actually brainwashed uh, iris's father into saying those words so that it was technically a true vocal extra but like his words were not legitimate if that makes sense I was very smart, actually. Yeah. (laughs) For once. Yeah. But the thing is, like, it was very hard to tell. And I'm sure this was also true for Iris, because, like, Iris's father has such a mundane voice. And (laughs) I remember when I first saw the vocal lecture, I was like, this is so weirdly, like, you know, it's not being vocalized in a way that seems, like, sincere. And I was like, is this a voice acting problem? What's happening with the direction? But it turns out yeah it's just you know brainwashing which means it was a very good voice acting um <laughs> but yeah like his voice in english is so incredibly mundane he's just a guy but in any case yeah so you know eventually they're able to to fight back and everything lev is sent away back to earth uh which is his uh, reward for delivering iris to greymore and the other girls uh they do end up rescuing her and They close the portal, but Lev stays and sacrifices himself to keep the portal open enough so that they can escape back to Earth. So he's also back with Greymore. And I guess we don't really know what happens after that with him. Um. (laughs) I think the
1: implication is that he died. Yeah, but we don't see him die. (laughs) Like, he's either dead or turned into a crystal statue. Hmm. Either or, because we never see anything from him again. Not even at the very mm-hmm. end, when all the prisoners are out, Lev is nowhere to be seen.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, so it's a it's an interesting question but yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I guess before we get to the finale we need to talk about a very important episode one that apparently I guess through leaked images was a very you know controversial episode or a highly discussed episode for the fans (laughs) at the time (laughs) which is uh, in
1: English called forget you yes so basically okay picture this uh It was the summer of 2015, like June, and uh, uh, the French website for Loyalock, I mean, it's a website pretty standard for a kids' show because it had clips, paper crafts, and among these paper crafts, there was a printable birthday card, which had a very peculiar image. It had the girls celebrating a birthday, and Praxina was with them. In civilian clothing, looking happy. Mm-hmm. The season one finale wasn't even on air yet; like the season wasn't even finished. We had this picture, and we were very confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh my and God. we were, we were like, oh, redemption arc. Like, the Mm -hmm. the immediate assumption was that she was going to be a mid-season cure kind of character. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing is, a few days later, if you check the website, the picture was heavily edited to look like a different character. Like, they changed the hair color, they changed the eye color, they changed the color of her thighs. To make her more uh, blonde and green-themed, so she didn't look like Praxina anymore, technically. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, But too late. We were already on to them. We knew. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's one of the funniest leak stories ever, in my opinion. A birthday card.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, especially because it came from the official site, because like that does happen sometimes. Like for example, we already talked about Narcissu from Delicious Party Precure. His image was leaked by Toy Animation when they put that image into the website code early, and someone <laughs> found it and was like, "Who was this?" <laughs> and it was like, "Yeah, it was very interesting because obviously it." it got taken off the website pretty quickly but like it was already out there but yeah this kind of thing where it's like such an official capacity and like i don't know what the people were thinking putting that out there especially because it was again like so early in the story if we didn't even get the conclusion to the first season by that point and i believe this image is used as the thumbnail for this episode because this is from this episode oh my god yes yeah they used it (laughs) (laughs) that's probably they knew what they were doing when they made that choice I think (laughs) yeah but yeah so like it was a very exciting situation where like you know we see Praxina and it's not just like she's a happy civilian Praxina she's like just clearly having a great time with them and also like hugging Amaru so it's so nice and and stuff and it's like wait what is what is going on but also interesting owing to like the actual production of the series itself like that this comes in the English order I believe it's it's right after the uh, right before the finale which is kind of a perfect little spot like just before everything kind of goes down because so much has happened they
1: knew what they were doing yeah
0: What happens is like you know, Praxina is in an accident after using a very powerful spell because she is just so incredibly frustrated. She's like the point, the highest point of her rage against the princesses, mm-hmm. and her spell backfires. And she wakes up and has lost all her memories. And so the girls are like, "Oh, oh what, what do we do?" Like, there's an interesting kind of like a dilemma, uh, an ethical dilemma here, where it's like, well, we know who she is, so we should tell her, but. If we do, then she'll be evil again. So they decide to try to teach her how to be good. She clearly has like this like inherent knack to do evil, which is very funny. Yes, <laughs> and she's like experiencing warm feelings for the first time. She's like, "What is this? My chest feels weird." And it's like, "You're you're feeling like love and affection." And it's like poor thing. Um, Mephisto is of course devastated when he realizes what has happened because at first he doesn't even recognize her when he's looking for her because for all he knows she could have died in the, in the like the aftermath of that spell but um he goes searching around and it takes it's very funny cuz it takes graymore like 2 seconds to find her graymore <laughs> holds the brain cells yes that's true <laughs> it's very yeah very intense and you know he has this this crown that will give her her memories back and it's, it's again, a whole dilemma, but it's an, in the end, Iris is like, yeah, she should get her memories back, even if that means she, she won't be good anymore. In general, I feel like like we already know on an official basis that Precure is one of the influences of Lolly Rock. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, in my opinion, that the season of Precure that is most directly referenced, etc. is Doki Doki Precure. And oh. this is something that happens in Doki Doki pre with one of the villains uh, for an <gasps> episode. I am looking forward to that. Oh, you! Will, if you haven't watched Doki Doki yet, you will enjoy it. There's like a lot of like small things, especially with the way the transformation sequence goes. There's a few things that like, they remind me a lot of, of Doki Doki. I think especially because I watched it in full earlier this year. So it's very fresh in my mind. But oh, um, it is... Uh, it's definitely like, yeah, there's a very similar episode in that in that season that's like this. The kind of re- end result is very different, but um, it's still interesting, right? To have like, you know, what makes a villain evil, I guess, is the ultimate question of like these kinds of episodes where it's like, if you don't have your memories anymore... Then who are you, and and all that? But yeah, what did you think of Good Praxina?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is something about her very pragmatic yet destructive behavior that is very funny to mm-hmm. me. Like she she sees a child that falls and scrapes her knee, and she's like uh, we should destroy the, the what was it, the, the swing she fell from? <laughs> like, her, her immediate reaction is always, destroy the thing, get rid of the thing. <laughs> also that line about the, the dungeon, mm-hmm. where she's like, okay, um, they propose, okay, Nathaniel and Doug show up and propose the girls to come with them to clean uh, a beach. And uh, and Praxina, in response, proposes to throw the people who littered the beach into the dungeon. Mm -hmm. And Nathaniel is like, that's very funny. We don't have a dungeon. And she's like, we can build one. (laughs) (laughs) That was very funny. Yeah, that was very interesting because
0: it's like, they're all like, oh, Praxina such a jokester. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. Um, but very fun, very fun. It's it's just generally like this kind of episode is very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess with that we should get to the finale. Um <laughs> so, you know, again, this is not just the finale for the the season, but also for the whole show as we know it. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is very interesting because it doesn't quite end so cleanly as we'll get into. But, you know, again, like Nathaniel is a kind of a major part of just the story in general, even though he is not a magic person. But Nathaniel and Iris go on a picnic, and he finally breaks the question. You know, will you be my girlfriend? It's like, oh wow, like, cause it's kind of funny, cause like, wait, they weren't already like an item, but I guess not. Like, it's you know, <laughs> it is a big thing to be officially that, right? It's a it's a pretty big deal. So. So this happens, and, you know, she really wants to say yes, but Iris knows that they only have one Oracle gem left, and then after that, they will be expected to go back to Ophidia and possibly stay there forever, because if they defeat Greymore, then she's going to be, you know, all set to be back to being a princess or whatever. She doesn't have any memory of that, but still, that would be her expected life after this, so she really wants to say yes but she feels like she can't and she says like you know i think we're moving away and i'm sorry it's very sudden and they realize that like you know her necklace does give the signal that someone needs help and pretty much immediately after that she finds someone who turned out to be just mephisto in disguise again who is like a a
1: boy whose house burned down (laughs) his masterful performance give him an oscar (laughs) It's very it's Jeez. a very interesting
0: plan to trick them into helping someone who doesn't actually need help, so that they waste their time. So the whole thing includes like having a fundraiser concert, which is so much work, but it's also an excuse for Mephisto to be able to sneak into the house so that he can um, get this special book that is very important that has a lot of dark magic in it. And you know, at the end, like they figure out that. You know, it was Mephisto and stuff, but not until the very, very end. Because first, Nathaniel, uh, once again, is like, he actually says the big words. He says, I love you to Iris. And we're like, oh, my God. And then Iris finally agrees to be his girlfriend. And that's when the Oracle gem appears. So he was actually the one that needed help. And, unfortunately, Mephisto immediately freezes Nathaniel and takes the gem. As they're supposed to just, like, go directly to the crown, usually, he uses this magic spell to actually divert it so that it lands somewhere else in Aphidia, which means the girls will have to go. So, already very interesting stakes, and we know, okay, so this is the last gem, so once this is all over, then this is going to be, like, the battle, depending on who gets this gem. Yes,
1: that was very
0: good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very nice cliffing. So, Chris and Lena also uh, have already gone to Mephidia, apparently, because the Oracle Gems were almost all collected. But, uh, yeah, the other girls joined them, and so they have to try to, like, fight them off and everything. Just as they're going to get the last Oracle Gem, Mephisto and Braxina do get it. And so, we have this battle where Greymore has gotten the full power of the crown, um, and, like, Freeze himself from within the castle so that he can fight them, and he has like this super form. It's quite terrifying, (laughs) yeah. And the music is so
1: good in that
0: part. Yeah, so good. That's true. Yeah, the the music in general is just again like everything with this. It's such a well produced series, generally speaking. But yeah, Carissa and Lena, along with the other girls, do try to fight him off, and uh, it does not work. He's just so powerful. Iris finally has to use her Shenilla powers in order to counter him. And it's really intense. And uh, part of that, like, there's like rocks falling everywhere. Mm -mm. And one of them is about to land on Praxina, But Mephisto pushes her out of the way and gets knocked down and seems to uh, die from that explosion from the rock. Pain. Yeah. Uh, The other girls help Iris to push back the blast against Greymore, and finally the crown gets returned to her and she has her full capacity of power which is like even more powerful and everyone's like fighting together. It's very nice and Greymore is defeated and his mask is broken from his face and it's interesting we don't really like get to see how he looks in full but we know that he is wearing a mask which is hiding a quite disfigured face. The mask falls to the ground, and uh, Graymore is defeated, and finally, everything is back to normal, or so we think. (laughs) Mm. Dun dun dun! Yes, because just as everything is, you know, seeming to work out, Praxina sees Mephisto is dead. She is devastated, and Bane's the tiger is back with this same mask that Graymore was using, and we get to see a very, very cool a power-up form of Praxina. And she talks about how she's going to go to Earth and destroy everything that they love. And so the girls are like, oh, no, we got to go back to Earth. We got to stop her. And that's how the show ends. It's, ah, uh, oh, my God. So upsetting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the club. We're all very mm-hmm. devastated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so what did you think of the
1: finale? Okay, this was incredibly good, very well-written, balanced, and uh, I, okay, for the first half, I like the the fact that in the end, Nathaniel and Iris maybe were the person in need. Mm-hmm. Because the gem appeared when they kissed and they reconciled, so to speak. So I think they were both the person in need. They needed to help each other understand the situation, which is very nice. Mm -hmm. Also, the kiss looked very pretty. Very pretty. (laughs) It was very romantic, yes. Mm. Also, I really like that part where Mephisto drops the disguise after this very obvious fake crying, and he says, hey, (laughs) it's me, your best buddy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah that's very memorable because that was like his first successful one too
1: I would say like as far as disguises go good for him <laughs> <laughs> okay in the second part I really like the the final confrontation against Grimo and the way the, the girls were supporting Iris and when Iris sees them trying to fight back She finally gets her foot down again and manages to land the final blast. That was very good. I like it. Mm -hmm. And I also like that uh, when Iris gets back the crown, everyone gets a smaller crown on their heads. Yeah. That was nice, but we never understood the real implication of that. So either they were Mm -hmm. calling on their own Shanila, Mm. or iris was sharing the power of the crown with them which i assume was the it was the second one probably
0: yeah it kind of felt like because you know this world of aphidia has a whole bunch of different uh, kingdoms if you will so these are all different princesses of different kingdoms but we know that like as far as like all of aphidia is concerned iris is like the main princess so it's kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. situation um and so, like, I feel like what happened is because her crown was restored, that also restored all the other crowns, in a way, if that
1: makes sense. Oh, well, that's a good point. That makes sense. Yeah. I also liked uh, when uh, Greymoor was falling to his doom, Baines was looking at him with the most disappointed look a tiger can have. <laughs> mm. That was great. And also he shed some light on Banes mm-hmm. because so far we thought it was his familiar or his animal companion, but it turns out that maybe Banes is the one that recruits people to use dark magic Yeah, because then he gives Praxina half of the mask. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're worthy. Right. Yeah. And Praxina in her new power up gets the same kind of gem that uh, Graymore had on his hand, Mm. but she has it on her chest. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting design choice and makes me assume that uh, the corruption, the dark crystal corruption, will probably run faster on Praxina because the gem is right on her heart. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Like, of course, we can all speculate, like, what could be of the next like what season three would have been because obviously it was very set up for that but yeah like it's just like so cool like her outfit is so cool and you can like see especially because we had just seen like what praxina can be like if she's good there's like so many questions left unanswered that just like i don't care what it takes if we can finally get season three i I will wait and wait and wait until we get it (laughs) I know the staff really wants to make a season three. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But it just, uh, it it hurt me so much because I had already, of course, always heard like everyone wanted a season three. And I was like, well, it's interesting because like, it feels like, well, if the evil is defeated, then what's next? But they gave us a what's next.
1: Surprise! Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely feel the collective pain of Lolly Rock fans
1: now. (laughs) Personally, I believe that they were going to mention again the medallion because they focused so much on the shot of the medallion being lost into the forest. Hmm. I think they were they were going to bring that up again in season three. Hmm. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what
0: happens next for sure.
1: Yeah. Also Talia's powers because in season 1 they implied no no they didn't imply they just stated that uh, Talia can see ghosts and it's <laughs> something that only two princesses in the whole, on the whole planet can do. Mm-hmm. And I think they would use that power for something. I mean we had we have at least one certified death here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they would use Mephisto's ghost but maybe probably Yeah, it's possible for sure. That gets into
0: very dark territory. So I don't know what the, you know, what the restrictions might be there as far as like, you know, for the children's program. And I don't know what the standards are in France for children's programming of this variety. So (laughs) who knows? But
1: I think they are a little bit slightly more uh, forgiving than Mm. the American standard. Personally, that's. I'm pretty sure it's the case. Yes, (laughs)
0: it's pretty, (laughs) that's true for most things, I think. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's just so much potential. It's like, also like, are there any other princesses out there that we get to see in action? Like, like for example, one thing that would have been an interesting opportunity because, you know, we do get to see one of Ariana's uh, brothers, but like, if she also has a bunch of sisters, wouldn't they all be princesses that could have power also? like, You know, I would like to see more. There's there's just a lot of, again, a lot of potential for for stuff. But yeah, I think that's everything to talk about with the season in general. So we do need to talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about what is problematic about this season, which fortunately is not a whole lot, but there is some stuff. So we do need to get into it. So like the first thing being, as we mentioned before, in the episode where Talia becomes evil. Talia being the the one black princess of the group like it's a very unfortunate look for them and I think you were mentioning to me that this is something that was brought up by the fandom and this is like a kind of debated topic of whether or not it is questionable is you know when she is uh, corrupted and uh, turned evil she is again in a very zombie-like state she's kind of in a trance but whenever she's responding and using her magic, she's always responding with like, yes, master. And it doesn't look good, right? So Mm. I think that it's fair to say that they were not going with that. They probably didn't think about that. But I think it's also, you know, because it's a French program, I feel like this is probably something that is more obvious to an American audience as a no-go, in my opinion, like as, as someone who is American, I feel like, if this had been an American show, this probably wouldn't have happened yeah, because there is much more of a unknown sensitivity to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the discussion is like in France for this particular topic, because it's not like France wasn't participating in slavery at some point in history. But it's like, I don't know what the, the current discourse is, I guess, like the general public consensus is with that it is an unfortunate look at the very least and it's like in my opinion if you're uncomfortable with it that's super valid of course yeah that's it
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe the only other thing is that occasionally we see some background characters who are colored in a way that is a little too on the yellow side Mm -hmm. yeah it happens very rarely and it's a thing that I believe they fixed a little bit in season two. Like, I didn't notice anyone uh, visibly too yellow in season two. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, because there was, um, and I mentioned this the first time we talked about Lolly Rock, but this was a definite case with like a character of the week in the first season who was just strangely just so yellow there's like literally <laughs> yellow um it's an interesting problem that like i forget is a thing because i don't watch that much like i guess western media with is like needing to put a generic asian character but i forget that like this is still a weird um default about like asians like calling us yellow is still like it's such a perplexing thing because we are we are not yellow um but for me it's a very similar problem to say how in I think this is more the case now still in Japanese media as opposed to I think a lot of Western media has corrected this particular problem but like the problem in animation with uh, regarding the depiction of black characters oh as being also very casually racist so for example drawing black characters with like what is called the sambo lips so like a very this like round kind of tube like lip shape
1: uh, yeah, um, or media. even the
0: way the coloring choices you know of, of characters and so on like usually very outlined lips you know this is something that is not always a problem in Japanese media but is still a problem like up to and including this year like it's like very unfortunate casual visual racism where It should not be a thing anymore, but it still is because, like, some people just have not gotten the memo yet. And I feel like that's the same thing that we're seeing here with these characters that are just colored a little too yellow. Because, like, even in recent years, I've still sometimes seen that where, like, people try to create a generic Asian character, East Asian specifically... And they use that yellow palette and it just blows my mind every time I see it still, because it's like, I thought we all agreed on this like a long time ago that this was bad, but apparently not. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think all things considered, those are like the two kind of major issues with this season, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know if there's really anything else that we need to to mention there.
1: Nah, I think we're done.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Good, good. Well, I guess hmm, maybe somewhat similar to that note about like the the casual Asian racism is uh, the fact that the Ruby episode is called the Ruby of the Orient. Uh. Yeah, it's a small thing, but like, again, this is one of those things. It's like, is this a memo that is more globally understood or is this just something that like I've understood to be discussed in the US in the I want to say the 80s, it was legally officially declared in in the u.s that like using oriental is bad and racist so uh, unfortunately that's not the case everywhere so and i know that's like also a language thing different languages still use a language that in english might not be appropriate anymore uh, and stuff like that but it's like a small thing but it's there. <laughs> yeah um, no
1: i i see why you so, wanted yeah. to
0: bring that up especially because that episode is with like a a girl who's um you know, great grandfather was accused of stealing a priceless ruby that he was given. And it's like, if this is called the ruby of the Orient, where does this come from originally? Actually, I'm very curious. <laughs> there's there's a lot of things that are a little questionable about that episode. But it's like a, a small thing in the grand scheme of like, what can be potentially problematic in a show like this. So that's good, I think. But Yeah. so I think with that that's everything we have to talk about with this wonderful show so that means we're down to the last question which is uh, Lapis what do you hope to see in the future of the magical girl genre?
1: Okay I would like to see more parodies that are done with genuine affection towards the genre probably because Hmm. I seem to de boring and I just want to see more of that (laughs) (laughs) But also, another idea, because I recently watched um, Satoshi Kon's Paprika from 2006. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar. Yes, yes. And the idea of magical girls fighting inside people's dreams and uh, exploring their subconscious is a very interesting idea, in my opinion. Mm. I don't know if, if... this already happened or maybe it's a concept already used somewhere. I haven't seen Uh, it yet.
0: Kind of. I I think one can argue Flip Flappers does that a little bit. Ah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Halloween Pajama, I think also does that. I want to say. I haven't read that one yet, but my memory of what the summary of that show is, or that comic is, I think that that's what is going on there there are a handful of that kind of but not to that extent as like of of that movie i think
1: well i'll take note of of that suggestion because now i'm interested (laughs) (laughs) yeah awesome
0: yeah that that could be a really interesting idea for sure i feel like there's definitely something out there of that variety but names are escaping me at this particular moment (laughs) yeah um but yeah, th- in that case, I think that's that's everything we have to talk about. So thank you so much for coming back to Sparkle Side
1: Chats. Thank you for having me again.
0: Yeah. Where can people find you and follow you online to talk about Lollyrock and other magical girls?
1: You can find me on Twitter at loving underscore lapis and on Tumblr at lovinglapislazuli.com dot awesome so yeah
0: thank you again for coming on and i hope you have a good rest of your day and i hope
1: you have a good night <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. If you like what we do here, please subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. Those are the best free ways to keep the podcast going. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag sparklesidechats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at magicalgirl spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E, K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a person you want to hear as a guest by filling out the form in the show notes. You can also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Look for the link in the show notes. Those show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fee.com/slash You can also commission me for art there or buy a print on my imprint page. With a Ko-Fi monthly membership, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, a Discord role, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Another way to support us one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wish list. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the Use section, as we're not picky here. If for some reason you can't figure Amazon Japan out, no worries. Feel free to send the money for it via Ko-fi and let us know what you want us to buy. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening, and remember... You are magical.